Welcome to episode 10 of the Radio Gaga podcast. We are back. I'm your host, Justine Pajowski, and today we are talking about the 2004 album A Crow Left of the Murder by Incubus. Good to be back. Thanks for letting me take the week to regroup and do lots of reading and research and listening for this next batch of episodes. If you follow me on Instagram at Radio Gaga Blog, you also know that I spent last week in beautiful Nova Scotia. I'm home now, but still listening to all of your Canadian band recommendations. In case you don't follow me, I put out a poll on Instagram stories asking for everyone's favorite musician or band from Canada, and I got so many new bands I'd never heard of before. On what I consider my pretty new social media presence, I have an amazing community already of just a bunch of music nerds, and I love you all. Come follow me at Radio Gaga Blog on Instagram to get involved. Anyway, I am so excited to talk about Incubus today. I feel like we've been talking about a lot of solo acts here recently, and th- those are great, don't get me wrong, but I think it's time to get back into the bands. I'm also excited to welcome a new guest today, my friend Neil Schuster. Neil lives in New York and is a musician too. There's a specific instrument he resonates with the most when he listens to Incubus, which I won't spoil for you, but I love all the points he makes about it. Incubus is kind of all time for me. I started listening to these guys in high school, probably freshman year, and have loved them ever since. What I think I like so much about Incubus is their range. Their albums are all completely different from one another. But after hearing a couple of their hits in high school, the first Incubus album I really got into was Science from 1997. I think what drew me to science back then, and still does, is the accessibility of of something I needed that was a little more intense and hardcore, but it also wasn't like unintelligible death metal. The album uses all kinds of different sounds, spoken word, a didgeridoo. I still listen to science all the time and find these little experimental elements that I had never heard before. Next up in the Incubus discography, comes Make Yourself. This album came out in 1999, and with help from songs like Drive, Stellar, and Pardon Me, Make Yourself went platinum in 2000 marking the band's first taste of mainstream success.
2001, the band was back in Malibu to record their next full-length album. The studio was a beachside home situated on, you guessed it, Morning View Drive. One's Morning View debuted at number two on the Billboard charts, the highest Incubus would ever see. The album is home to songs like Just a Phase, Warning, and Wish You Were Here. And then came today's album, A Crow Left of the Murder, in 2004. This album is so, so strong, and one of my favorites in the Incubus discography. And I'll go into this a little more with Neil, but there were circumstances happening around the writing and producing of this album that just made the band really lock into place with their sound. Something on A Crow Left of the Murder just clicks. And I'm really excited to dive into why that is. So with that, let's welcome my guest, Neil Schuster. I can't wait to talk about this album with you. It's it's going to be a uh, tour de force, I think. I'm so excited. I've been listening to it pretty much nonstop, like the uh, last as, week or so. <laughs> I, I hear you. It's been this after I listened to Phil's podcast, Thug Motivation 101 and Moving <laughs> Pictures have been in the rotation. <laughs> That's great to hear. Well, for everybody listening right now, uh, Moving Pictures is also coming up because Neil and I are both very big Rush fans. Oh, so, so you hit me. So that. we're 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 in right now. <laughs> we're, we're in it, man. Hey, man, the, the red dot is on. Let's go. <laughs> it's on. <laughs> well, hey, uh, thank you so much for taking the time today. I uh, I'm so excited to talk about Incubus because they, you know, they've played a, a pretty pivotal role in my music listening ever since high school, really. Um, so maybe tell me a little bit about your relationship with Incubus. Well, I think you just nailed it for me too. I would basically say in a way the soundtrack of high school would, would uh, sum it up. I think, um, so I think this album came out in 2003, but I didn't really listen to this. It was like, I think light grenades came out in 2005. And if I think, and that was, I was in sophomore, like junior. Um, and I remember it being kind of the soundtrack for the cool group, the, the coolest folks in the grade above me. Mm-hmm. So when I think of Incubus, I think of like the name Stephen Greenwood, who was just like the coolest kid in school, right? <laughs> Sounds and, cool. And they, I remember them going to like the Tabernacle in Atlanta to like see Incubus. And I just wasn't really that into Incubus because back then I was listening to, you know, a lot of playlists, iPod stuff. I didn't really plug in a bunch of albums. So I'd heard Drive and um, a lot of the stuff off Make Yourself, which is, there's a lot of good songs, um, but they I think they get overplayed. And a lot of them are, are a little bit more like radio friendly. Um, so I was, I'd kind of be like, I roll my eyes a little bit. Um, but one thing that always drew to me to Incubus was the drums. So Jose Pasillas, the mm-hmm. second, I believe he's like maybe five foot tall. Um, he, but he's just like a, um, tour de force, um, on the drum kit. And I play the drums and I've always enjoyed the way even if I haven't like embraced all of Incubus music, I feel like the, the pace with which he plays and it's a lot of uh, up-tempo, cut-time um, type of beats. That's all, I've always been drawn to that type of 
drumming. Another band, it's, it's funny because sometimes you can separate drummers from the actual band. Like I love Zach Farrow from Paramore and I love Paramore too, hmm. but it's not really like a band. I'd be like, Oh my, you know, like I'm, I'm so into Paramore, right. Cause it's the genre of music, like pop punk. I, I get, I can only listen to it for so long, but like the way that guy, I think he plays similar to Jose Pasillas. It's just like, it's all energy and it's just so clever. It's almost like athletic where they can put these fills together with like the quickest hands. And I'm just really, um, and, and it will, and I not like, so there's other drum drummers and genres, like to bring up like Neil Peart from Rush, right? Like he could play just as quick. I think the way that they incorporate it is very catchy. Um, it's almost cheeky sometimes, like the way they, they incorporate some of the fills and the toms and, um, like the flams, but I'm getting a little technical on the set, but that was always a, a piece of why I liked Incubus. And then this album specifically, I, uh, a friend of mine, Jimmy McAlpin, who was the guitarist in a band I played in, in high school, left his CD case in my, my Tahoe, my maroon Tahoe. That was like a, you know, Marist high school parking lot staple. And I just kind of, you know, didn't really give it back to him or he didn't really come asking for it. And I just, I, I, but I, uh, for a long time, all I did was listen to, um, my iPod in the car. I had like an iPod plug in. And so I, I didn't really have a CD collection growing up, uh, cause I've never been like a huge music, you know, like got to hear this whole album kind of guy. He had, a um, the first CD in that case was Incubus was a crow left of the murder. And I'd never really listened to it. I'd, I'd heard megalomaniac and probably that's probably it. Um, and I put it in and obviously that's the first song and, I, you know, I was one of those, I was that guy with the system in the car, you know, so I had the sub in the back and actually quick digression. I had like a really nice small sub that I got, um, after I worked for a summer and my dad for my birthday, like helped me out buy it and put it in the car. And then it was great. The sound system was often awesome. And then it got stolen, um, like a year later. And then I put in another one, but it was like, I went back to the high five buys and the guy's like, well, we can give you this like, like two twelves in like a, a bigger box, which was like my first lesson, maybe not my first lesson, but a really, really tangible lesson in more is not always better Uh-oh. because I had so much bass that it was just obnoxious <laughs> and horrible to listen to music. So this album was, was what I was playing when I had the first subwoofer, which was like very manageable. It was like the 10 inch subwoofer. It sounded really, really good in the car. And the first song was megalomaniac. And I just, I know this album just kind of hits you right off the bat, right? It's a good incubus. Like if you were going to tell someone to listen, if I was going to tell someone to listen to a song, it'd be megalomaniac. And so I played this album all the way through and then it just kind of stayed on repeat, um, for I think weeks. And I was trying to play the drums to it. I was like, you know, and we can talk about the individual songs, but I just was really taken by it and thought it was like, a good, it was like, um, I think they recorded the album live and you can kind of tell it, it just feels like very, um, well produced. And, uh, it seems like they're just kind of like, even though they'd already made like a multi-platinum album, these guys just seem like they were like really focused and like <laughs> just in, in it. Right. Oh it just God. feels like there's tons of energy in it. There is. And I think part of the reason for that is that this is the first album with Ben Kenny on the bass. And so they they brought him in. He um, used to play for the Roots. Um, and then I think before that, he played for like Bubba Sparks or somebody. That bassist was exactly who Mike Einziger needed as like this technical counterpart to his guitar. 
the whole band just always talks about how Kenny can basically play every instrument better than all of them can. Um, But he's like, he's so technical and something about the recording when they brought in Kenny, like everything just kind of clicked. And I think this is such a great illustration of that. And I think they were all really energized by this, this new hire. And they actually, um, the production is funny you say that too, because they brought in um, Brendan O'Brien to produce this album. And he was uh, responsible for producing a lot of like Pearl Jam and Rage Against the Machine. I get a lot of Rage vibes um, from this uh, album, which I love <laughs> personally. Yeah, I do too. I um, think they recorded it in Atlanta too, which I didn't know. They did. So I was just looking. Yes. I was just looking at it um, before you called. And but yes, I I I hear the the Rage. I hear the Soundgarden. I think that guy worked with Soundgarden too, mm-hmm. which is probably a pretty good comparison with Boyd and some of those. Uh, like almost like north that whole northwest crew. Yeah, with those like soaring like solid vocals. Yes, exactly. Which I mean, that's exactly why I love all of that music is that when they hit a note like so purely, that's that's why I like Brandon Boyd's voice so much. I mean, granted, I may have started liking Incubus because Brandon Boyd is so gorgeous, but <laughs> I kept listening because his voice is just like un it's unreal. I I do have some Boyd takes. Oh, I, you know, all right. we, we we may need some oven mitts. Uh oh. Um, no, These and are not extra in a bad hot. way. Okay. I, I give so I give him a lot of credit, right? But it's tough. So the, it, there's a couple interesting things. One is these guys made it right out of high school, which I I think is awesome, but it's not something you hear a ton of, right? Like like Jose Pasillas, um, Mike what Mike Inzinger, the guitarist. Yeah, Inzinger, I think. Yeah, and then yeah. and then Brandon Boyd, they all went to high school together. And then it sounds right. like they just basically like after they graduated, it was like, let's hit the road, let's make music. And it's kind of like that the high school band worked out. Like how awesome is that? Right? It's incredible. Right. And they just blew up and then they were like worldwide and then they do make your they I think the band started in 92 and then 8 years later they're like all they're just a multi-platinum band, right? When they do I mean, Make it yourself. took it took some it took some doing for sure. Like, um, they went on the road for science in like 1998. They were on the like Family Values tour. They were part of Ozfest. Yeah, and they yeah. didn't do they didn't do any, which is so weird to say now. Like when you think of that, you're like Family Values tour. That was like Rammstein and Limp Bizkit and like yeah. all those like you know those like new metal sort it's of. It's like bands. the band. It's like the Warp tour. Now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. But those tours are still great because I think it helps a lot of these bands like keep doing what they're doing year over year and they weren't on mtv at all until until make yourself like science science got no airplay whatsoever which is a shame because it's my favorite incubus album which we can go into on another podcast but (laughs) yeah i have i don't know much many songs from it i'm actually like i kind of like i'm kind of music list i'll get locked in on certain things and sometimes i won't go explore a ton of the other um like the earlier stuff Right. Yeah, like I, well, I know light grenades, I know make yourself, but I haven't done a ton with fungus among us, you know? <laughs> so so I, I should probably dig in a little bit. I, I think a lot of the stuff that was on fungus among us is, um, they basically put together this EP called enjoy incubus. Cause they went on a tour. They went on like a European tour with corn. I think that was sure. like 1990, like late 97, early 98. So, I mean, that was really, I mean, yes, they did form in high school and they stuck together, the three or four of them, really, um, with Dirk Lance as their bassist. Uh, Like the four of them kind of stuck together 
throughout all of that. And, you know, they'd record on their off time, like when they weren't in school, essentially, and like just do everything they could. Um, and finally it was like, you know, it, was when it wasn't really until it wasn't really until 1998 that they actually got on like a tour um, and were, were seen by a lot more people. Yeah. So I would give I would give science a listen for sure. I mean, it's it's I think the beauty of Incubus is that you can't really put a genre on them. Um, and science is such a perfect example of that because it sounds like completely freaking insane compared to a curl after the murder, for instance. Yeah. So give it a shot. It's, <laughs> it might, it might be a little bit of a culture shock if, if you like their newer stuff more, but I, I love science. It's my favorite. You know, and, and Brandon Boyd is, you know, I think he's an excellent front man for all the reasons you've mentioned his voice. He can hit all the notes. He's gorgeous right i mean how about how about the flow how about the lettuce from this guy uh you know he's got the trendy tattoos he's got the the koi fish and the tibetan mantras tattooed all over him um he's a he's he has to me though like a little bit um maybe some chris martin vibes and the the, what i mean by that is like he's almost too good that you like don't want to like him you want to be like oh god like you go to his wikipedia page it's like Singer, lyricist, author, visual artist, uh, sculptor, you know, poet. poet. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, sick, man. Like you are the kid, you know? And it's like, well, wait a second. So you just like came out of high school and you were just this unbelievable creator. And, and like, you know, so sometimes you're like, oh, it makes you want to roll your eyes a little bit. Um, but then, you know, you listen to the, 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 the band. I, as a band, I really like the way that he – layers in over the top of like this fast paced, like high powered music. So like my favorite songs are the ones that are pushing the pace, like megalomaniac. Um, I love the way in, in the second song, uh, which I think is titled the crow left of the murder. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of just keep the pace going. Like sometimes oh, yeah. on albums, the second song will kind of cool off, but it's like, no, we're right back at it. Um, and then even like the last song leech is probably one of my favorites. And that's like a similar, just, you know, it's it's just really good like the music just works for me well and there are so many i think the track listing is it becomes more important the more i listen to full albums like the this band put together a very specific track listing of all these songs um and you know over time i i think i saw an interview with incubus where they said you know there must be you know 50 songs on the cutting room floor they don't all make it Um, you know, over the 27 years they've been together, 28 years, however long it's been. Um, but I think the track listing on a curl after the murder is so strong because of that. It, it really like takes you on a ride a little bit. You start out just full force. And I think you're completely right about megalomaniac. That's the best possible way to start this album because it informs the rest of it. Essentially it tells you like, here's what to expect from us here. Um, and then it, and it, from there, I mean, it, it's high energy and even the slow songs have energy to them. There's nothing boring happening on this album, yeah. which I'm always all for that. Can I, can I make a confession? Please. Um, so megalomaniac, I've li- I probably listened to that song hundreds of times, right? <laughs> yeah. I, and I, and it's the title of the song is megalomaniac. So that should be a, a huge hint. I never really knew what he was saying in the chorus. Like, you know, when you listen to lyrics and you just convince yourself that they're saying something, but that's not, and that's all you hear then. Mm-hmm. And I always thought he was saying like maker Romania. Like that's what I thought instead of megalomaniac, oh. you know, <laughs> and I, and I just like this week I was like, wait, 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 wait. he might this actually week? be saying, 
Yes, I swear. Like this week, like I, I don't. I just thought like I, I and I've always thought like, oh, man, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of what Boyd's getting at here with this Romania talk, and it's one of those things you're just like, oh God, I knew I was wrong, but I, you kind of just like I kind of gave up on it a long time ago. I think and just like, all right, that's what he's saying, whatever. And now that I listen to it, now I hear it clear as day. But it just never, because it's like he's saying the word broken up and I just never it never really registered with me that Um, you know he does that a lot he does that a lot and I have trouble understanding what he's saying that is one thing about a lot because that's because I think there's so much going on behind his voice like from the band right like the songs are like there's just a lot going on so sometimes the lyrics get washed out a little bit I think so too and he has a really interesting way of pronouncing some words uh and you know it, it happens throughout this album it happens throughout a lot of Incubus Incubus's music his his voice is so interesting to me and it's it's not just like this solid frontman voice it's like he pronounces some words sort of weirdly he has an incredible range he starts you know he can sing low notes all the way to like these freaking insanely solid solid high notes and he has this quality to his voice that has always really intrigued me there's this technique called harmonic singing where if you if you practice enough like Trained singers can do this, but harmonic singing is essentially when you sing two notes at one time, which sounds impossible, but there are some singers who can do it. And if you YouTube it, it's like insane. You can hear two notes coming out of somebody's mouth at one time. There are some of the lower notes that he hits that it sounds like there's also the same note, but an octave higher coming out at the same time. And like that, I... Again, I have no idea if that's even intentional or if that's a production trick or whatever, but like there's a quality to his voice that has always intrigued me so much. Um, and I think it's like very much on display here in, in a really good way. The way he also, it's almost like he's chanting at times. You know, he'll mm-hmm. go into that like, even when he, it's almost like he's being lazy and he's just like <laughs> humming or like, it's he's good. Like there's no denying he's good. It's like back to the take out. He might be too good where you're like, God, man, this guy like can, Geez, can this guy catch a break? You know, like <laughs> living the dream in California. Living so I dream. think early yeah. on when I would hear Incubus, you know, because I was introduced to him probably on like MTV or like some of the drop, like dri- I don't really like the song Drive, right? And that's the one that they just played into the ground as yeah. their like mainstream hit. And, and, you know, Wish You Were Here, I like that song, but it it's a little like, okay, you know, like, like you know, it's like, oh, life's great, whatever. <laughs> it's like, you you see the music videos and you kind of like it's like this guy's you know like arms wide open falling into the wind like you're like ah oh, this guy's too much for me but then you you get into an album like this and you're like wow these guys actually have a little bit of angst like they're really pushing the pace uh, and there's a lot of good lyrics there's a lot of good uh, just it just it's good stuff even the title actually my girlfriend Lauren who you know mm-hmm. sent me a note before earlier today. And she said, do you know what a crow left of the murder? Like what that means? And I, you know, I always thought it was like some type of like Agatha Christie whodunit. Like, you know, it gives like a dark connotation to the album a little bit with the roses on the cover and all that. But a flock of crows is called a murder. Mm -hmm. So if you are the crow left of the murder, you are the one that doesn't fly with the flock. Right. So I was like, wow, I never knew that either. So, you know, I'm doing a little homework here. I'm like, that's good. I like that album title. That, it's, that it's a great, works. Oh, yeah. And and it is. It's moody on the front. I think that's a really good description of yeah. the album. It is moody. 
It's moody, but it's intentional. It's not wallowing in your feelings. They wrote all these songs together as a band. Like maybe Brandon Boyd maybe wrote the lyrics and on most of them or whatever, but the band is is credited on every song. Yeah. Um, and I think that just like goes back to this like team effort of what is this song about? What are we trying to get across in this song? What's the message? What's our intention? And I think that's like, that's part of why I love Incubus so much because they're never just kind of like wandering aimlessly. They always have like a purpose to to what they're saying or what they're playing or they have a purpose to this this bass riff. They have a purpose to this guitar track. You know, like there's, there's so many pieces that are all so... Um, carefully curated i feel like which yeah i kind of like i do too i like it a lot i think there's really good songs on light grenades and i've always loved that album too mm-hmm. which was I agree the you. one that kind of came out when i was in high school and the one that i was then drawn to after i listened to this i was like well man i'm gonna get into light grenades because everybody you know everybody else listens to it. all the cool people are doing it right <laughs> um but sometimes like if you put on incubus on spotify for instance you know they have like it's hard to believe because you don't think they're that old, but they have like greatest hits albums now, you know, and like, oh, yeah, they've got enough, <laughs> they've got like 20 songs to fill up like a greatest hits Spotify session or whatever. But some, even those, like sometimes there's some filler songs, like on the like grenades, for instance, there's some songs where I'm like, all right, you know, I, I'm, you're losing me a little bit. Um, a lot of this for me, the slower stuff. And this album, though, I don't feel that way as much. I don't feel like there's as many songs where I'm like, I'm hitting the, the next button. Well, do you which think? Is- do you think Crow is your favorite Incubus album? I do, for sure. Okay. It's, it's not not even nice. close. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. For sure. Just because it wouldn't, but it might not be fair because it's one of the, you know, this is in my car. Like this, I was listening to this album as it was intended to be listened to all the way through. Um, so, it, you know, I, and I wouldn't say that I've done that as deliberately with the other stuff. I think with Light Grenades, I have, and I like this better than that, but say Make Yourself or Science, for instance, I don't know much about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now like some of the more like modern stuff that they put out, like uh, I can't get it's not, it. it's not bad, but it's a little bit too maybe woke. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, I just, I don't know, maybe if they're just gr- growing up and they're sort of evolving into a sound that, you know, I don't, I don't like as much or like late nineties to like early mid two thousands was just their absolute like best 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 it time. just feels like they don't have anything to prove like yeah. brandon boyd's 42 which isn't old but it's not young either right and he's like i said earlier you know he's working on his sculptures and and he's per, <laughs> he has three books and he's doing solo art shows and that's all awesome but it's unlikely that he's gonna have anything angsty to write about you know that's gonna feel as like uh immediate right like i think sometimes when these guys get older and they try to write like stuff that matters it's like they're writing about like the world around them but not like how it's affecting them because things are going pretty well for them i just i think this was such a pivotal moment in their career i mean they were all just so excited to record this music i think they were re-energized by having ben kenny in the band re-energized by having brendan o'brien producing it i mean O'Brien as a producer is very um, quick and very decisive in the studio. And um, one of the notes that I had seen was that uh, Jose, Brandon, and Mike were all so excited about this album that they all finished their parts like super, super early. Um, So that just kind of like it goes back to this re-energizing that they felt and, um, you know, just being excited about music again. And I think that there's a lot to be said about that. Have you seen them live? 
No. <laughs> I haven't either. You and know, that's and interesting, that's isn't it? I and I, I, they're one of my, you know, they're a top five band that I would put on. Right. They, they're, they're not maybe not like favorite, but like if something comes to mind, like, hey, what should I, you know, tell the Google Home to play? It's like Incubus <laughs> is going to be a band that's like top of mind for me pretty Absolutely. often. Absolutely. Right. I also think that Incubus has like paved the way or like, I don't think a band like young, the giant who's a favorite of mine exists without incubus. Hmm. Like, I just think that the, the music they're like the next, maybe not generation, but like they're kind of, I think they've evolved out of that where a band that goes, you know, they go towards very hard rock, really push the pace, but there's kind of these in, in a way soft or, thoughtful lyrics over the top they're not scared to slow it down like they're not scared of being called like oh these guys are soft like because i got friends that are really into like metal and hard rock and in high school they're like you know incubus is so soft i'm not listening to that you know and it's like ah, eh, well yeah but i think i, I kind of give the guys credit for going different directions and like being a a band that's not scared to maybe be vulnerable as they say well yeah and they and they like I said earlier, they you can't really put a genre on Incubus. You've never yes. been able to. I think one thing there that is interesting is like, I'd love to be described as like, you know, a genre list. <laughs> like as a person, that's great. Like, <laughs> oh man, the guy's a jack of all trades. Like he's genre list. Like that's a huge compliment. Now, a lot of times though, I think people that try to do that or they do it maybe for the wrong reason. Like they try to appeal to a larger number of people. So then like it kind of dumbs whatever you're doing down to a low common denominator. I feel like these guys get away with it maybe because they actually want to do that in a way. They're not just making soft songs because some, they're all because like we can reach more people this way. It's a blessing and a curse to be a jack of all trades kind of a band. Um, but I think one of the reasons that Incubus is so genreless is that I mean, they were in high school when they were first touring together, they're first making music. You're such a sponge at that point in your life, especially yeah. as a musician. And you just listen to as much music as you can listen to. And you take inspiration from other musicians before you. And Incubus has said, like, they did that exact thing. Like, they had so much inspiration. I mean, obviously, Red Hot Chili Peppers is inspiration, Rage Against the Machine. Um, they were really inspired by bands like Primus and like Mr. Bungle. They and you can hear that, especially on a curl after the murder. You can hear that inspiration, um, yeah. and I'll, I can get into that a little bit on some of these more specific songs. But yeah, I mean, I think I think that's one of the reasons. You know, going back to what you were saying about why why you make music that appeals to the masses is like, is it to try to reach the masses, or is it really to pay homage to those bands before you that like you really find a lot of inspiration from? Uh, and then you brought up Red Hot Chili Peppers, so I also was thinking about. Brandon Boyd kind of in comparison to Anthony Kiedis, right? Because there's some similarities there too. Like I've, you know, I've read Scar Tissue, which is an awesome book about Kiedis. And it's like, I also think that some of the reason I feel like I draw like the Chris Martin, like eye roll vibes a little bit with him is it's amazing across like almost like society, like Kiedis, like self, almost self-destructed, right? Like just heroin, everything, like yeah. he's just going to blow it all up. And then he, you know, everybody loves a comeback story. It's like, God, this guy is real. He's lived his life. He's got all his scars. And he don't really sense that with Brandon Boyd. It's like, man, this guy's like done this and really successfully for a really long time. And he's just like, you know, he's like really happy and he's like doing really well. <laughs> and you're like, it's almost like, I think people are like, God. You know, F that guy. Like, what's, yeah, I see you know? what you're saying. Yeah. 
Isn't that, isn't that, and I, that's not fair of me to, to put that <laughs> on him, but I just try to like, I'm trying to kind of voice why I think, cause, cause it, people that I've said like, yeah, you know, what bands are I'll be like Incubus. They're like, ah, you know, like they're a little bit too, you know, they kind of roll their eyes. Right. And I think it's mm-hmm. in some ways because of him and it's like, it's not fair to hold it against him that he's just been like really, really successful and he hasn't effed himself up. But I think that that plays a role in how people are like. You know, like who, who's this guy? Well, who's yeah, got it all figured I mean, out, the, right? The drug addiction is almost like a qualifier to being. It is. Like it's metal. like he hasn't lived. It's like, oh, he's <laughs> yeah. not real. He's not real. He's just yeah. faking it because he didn't like light himself on fire for a while. Um, which I and I'm curious, like as I, I looked it up, I was like, man, well, I want to make sure that he didn't actually do that, and I just didn't know about it. But like, it seems for all, you know, for everything I've read, it's like he's just kind of like, yeah, you know, I think I'm gonna write a book this year. <laughs> I think involuntarily, it, it it it. I'm trying to acknowledge a bias of mine. Like I almost like have caught myself. Like, pussy, yeah, this guy hasn't even like been to rehab. Like, you can't be real. And I'm like, well, now I'm saying like that's not fair. I can't hold that against no, the guy. No, no, right? I think that's like you know. I think it's admirable that that he he's done the rock star thing. And you know, you never know what's going on behind the scenes. Like he might be the realest deal. Because yeah. he's not like he's not messed up. He's not like, but but then he's you know some of his stuff he's singing about. You're like, well, it's, the angst has to come from somewhere, right? Like, and I think and it I, is. I, and it, I it haven't found any like from drugs. Yeah, I gotta look up some like interviews. Then I don't get a sense of him. I get more of a sense of just like him as a member of the band, which yeah. just seems to be how he wants it. Like you were saying, like they all credit, like they've been a band, and he hasn't like. I think he's done some solo stuff, but it seems like he's pretty much wanted to stay like, no, nah, I'm not bigger than the band, which I've got a ton of respect for that. Completely. And like, I mean, you can almost compare him too to like the ultimate uh, squeaky clean front man, Getty Lee. Like that oh, guy yeah. is... <laughs> that nerdy. Guy, nerdy would be the oh right word God. for Getty Lee. He, well, he's my, he's my absolute number one favorite musician of all time, first of all. Because, yeah. you know, plays the bass. I can't believe his voice. Like, it, he, the guy is just freaking awesome. But he's also been married to his wife since, like, 1976. Like, yeah. it's so sweet. <laughs> and, like, yeah, like, you can be this, the lead singer of an incredibly, incredibly talented, visceral, like, rock band. And you can be a good guy. Like, it's, it's cool. <laughs> like, that's what you're I allowed. like. Yeah, you're yeah. allowed. You're allowed to, like, you don't have to... Ruin but I your think life there with drugs is there, there is a little bit of a and I'm I'm glad I'm kind of acknowledging or catching it, but I think other people have that same bias a little bit. Like that's really you know, interesting like the, that you said that the though. rock star mentality, uh-huh. right? Well, even like so you bring up Rush, right? Like if you watch that documentary on Netflix, and we will get into this at a later date. Oh, I but, can't wait. <laughs> like they toured with Kiss for like I don't know four, three years, something like that, and right. you know, Kiss is like ripping apart like vaporizing hotel rooms and these guys are like asleep on the floor below yeah you know and they care. didn't they had no interest and they were like god these guys are so lame but they're so good at music like they couldn't figure it out so i you're right you can't but think completely about my people, vibe by the way yeah that's but absolutely. people are calling that out as like the, like the fact that even in that documentary that's being acknowledged is because it's so unique so like you just because you just don't see that right, right. like i i feel like most other than like get it's we could probably think of a few more but it's it's hard to think of other front people that haven't been like i don't know if corrupted's the right word or like you know haven't fallen victim to their whatever their demons and vices are 
because they just come at you so fast when you're like seeing that much success all over the world. Kind of, you know, you're you're kind of grown to expect that almost, which is horrible. Like as a music fan, you never want your your guys to get into drugs, get into alcohol or what you know, what have you. But especially, I think in in the rock metal like really like harder stuff category. Like some of these stories are like super sad and to have a band like Incubus or to have a band like Rush where they're all still alive is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is. I just, well, let's hope they, I think they're coming out with another album soon. Or did Incubus eight, is? Did eight already come out? Eight came out. Yeah. Okay. It came out last year, right? Mm, I think so. I just, they need to get back to making music. I want to listen to them <laughs> <laughs> or they need to, they need to play the hits. Well, speaking of the hits, why don't we get into the tracks? Okay. So let's talk about Megalomaniac. to know is who is this about um and i i found a couple of ideas but then i also saw an inter i read an interview with um brandon boyd sort of explaining it uh basically a lot of people so this came out 2004 a lot of people believe that this song was about george w bush but then i i read this interview that brandon boyd did with mtv and the song is is actually very loosely based on the movie The Three Amigos. Have you seen that? Uh, no, I haven't. With like <laughs> Steve, with uh, Steve Martin. Steve yeah. Martin. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Brandon Boyd told MTV, "Quote: Do you remember El Guapo? He was the bad guy. I think it was Steve Martin at the end who was talking about El Guapo and how everyone has their own El Guapo. It might be your mom, your dad, or a tyrant of some kind. And basically, I'm using my personal El Guapo." He wouldn't name who this was. It, he said it was like a composite of different people uh, that he based this song on. But that's that's his explanation of the megalomaniac. And and I buy that. I don't. Totally. I didn't sense political vibes. It's just this was probably what similar time frame to when Green Day is like lighting people up with uh, American Idiot mm-hmm. and that whole album, right? Yeah. And I mean, these guys are like outspoken. They're in the same camp. Um, I think I think this that song specifically. Um, because before the last like two, three weeks, I hadn't listened to this album in a little while. And I think it ages really, really well. I agree As you. just a, a commentary on like the social media era, right? Oh, of like everybody just being so into themselves. And it's like, like you just want to kind of scream the lyrics of this song at people. Like I, I sensed it, honestly. I was walking down the streets. I live here in New York. And people... You know, we all have this moment where people are walking down the street on a busy sidewalk and they're on their phone and they're looking down. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think this song was playing and it's just like, God, you just want to like yell at them. Like, like you're not that important or like whatever you like, walk, look where you're going. Kind of like everybody yeah. wake, wake up. You know what I mean? And like this song is kind of a little bit of an anthem of that because it just builds, right? Just builds up and then it just goes nuts and you're like, whoa. And then it's, it's very, the song structure is very simple. And then it just kind of, it ends. And you think like, when it ends, you're like, whoa, man, I kind of need a break. 
And then it starts off on the second song with like a very up tempo, but very like happy vibe, which I really liked. Yeah. Um, about the album. It's like very up tempo, but a completely different uh, mood in a way. Well, I mean, why don't we why don't we talk about that song? Let's talk about the next one, Curl After the Murder. Yes. So uh, the thing that sticks out to me is more, well, two things. One is the drumming. I love it. Mm-hmm. So it's just that, that this is kind of the, the classic Jose Pacias beat, uh, kind of cut time, uh, break beat that he then plays. He plays really well off of this style of drumming where he's able to do his fills and choke cymbals and accent marks. Um, and then the, I think that Brandon Boyd's lyrics get washed out a little bit in the song. This is an example of that where like, because the drumming is a little bit, um, it's I don't kind know, of muddy. like muddy. Yeah. Like splashy. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. the, it's like kind of just, there's a lot going on. And then he's kind of starts, um, you know, the chorus, he's kind of chanting or yelling a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think that it fits in the context of the album because it's like, sometimes what I like, and I think, you know, not to skip ahead to another song, but Criminal is like probably my second or third favorite song on this album. And sometimes I like when Boyd kind of takes a backseat to the band. He's singing, but his lyrics aren't like anything like to think about in a way. He's just kind of, he's kind of chanting one phrase over and over again, which I, which I kind of need sometimes. I need to take a little bit of a break from like trying to decode what he's saying. I, I, Absolutely agree with you. And I I mean, obviously, I love Brandon Boyd's voice, but I think that's kind of a hallmark of this album versus some of their original, like some of their earlier albums is that on um, on like Morning View, Make Yourself, Brandon Boyd's voice is like the focus. Uh, And on this album, I think you could hear a lot more of Mike. You can hear a lot more of Ben. You can hear like you sort of and I think. DJ Kilmore gets washed out, which we'll get into as, as well. But for yeah. the most part, you can there's you know they're amplifying a little more of what what else is going on behind Brandon Boyd. I appreciate that because I I uh, I think albums like this when they record it live like this and and the singers washed out a little bit. It almost if I like it encourages me to listen more because I have to listen closely. Mm-hmm. Like I want to hear what he's saying, but I gonna have to listen to the song again to do it. So. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, but you're, I think you're absolutely right. Like the make yourself is just basically like, it's like the Brandon Boyd show. <laughs> it, it's a Brandon, it's a Brandon Boyd solo <laughs> song, right? Right, like, right. Well, and I think this song too, I, um, I was talking earlier about how, uh, Mike and Ben sort of are both these very technical players and it, it's so simple, but if you listen closely to, like the the guitar part and the bass part, it's sort of like a call and response. It starts with the bass and then the guitar sort of plays the same thing. And then the bass goes and the guitar goes. And I think like that just adds so much interest to this song. And just at the bridge, this little like bass change that he does is like just real tasty. Big fan. 
Love that. The deep, the deep cuts. <laughs> I love, I love going back and listening. Only pastrami, no boar's head here. I want the deepest cuts. <laughs> I thought boar's head was the good stuff. No, you got well. The boar's head's like the. It's not the deepest cuts. Well, the boar's um, head is the good stuff in Jacksonville. Okay. I don't know what it is in New York. Well, I'm it's probably, probably no, way better. So you got to get the pastrami's. You know, come on. Um. Well, the uh, I think the lyrics, going back to what he is saying in this song, um, he he's kind of saying that like once you free yourself, you kind of like unlearn what you have been taught to believe. Yeah. You have the freedom to learn more from your surroundings and like use your instinct more so than what you've already been taught. It's such a simple thing to think about. Uh, but it it can really change your perspective in a lot of ways. He repeats these words: look, find, free. Um, which I really like because like if you look around, you'll find these like these patterns in nature. Like he talks about the pulse of the sea, the march of the ant. Like I think it, it's it's a song about really trusting your gut. And I, that speaks to me on a lot of levels. Yes. And now that I know the, the, what the meaning of the <laughs> album is, it makes a lot more sense. Oh, yeah. Because like right? it's basically – Because the, it's the name. This yeah. name of the song is the name of the album. So – it's like, oh, okay. So it's about kind of like going your own way. Yeah. Live life for yourself and don't be a mindless follower. Trust your yes. gut. Yes. Which is like, all right. I hear you. Yeah. And, yeah. And That's a good message. Yeah. Let's talk about agoraphobia. I want to stay inside. I want to stay inside for good. I want to stay. So yeah, they slow it down a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I've said, like these are probably not going to be my favorite songs just because of the, the, I, what, what I think Incubus is at their best is when they're up tempo. Um, but this is like, well, it's it's uh, probably more focused on Brandon Boyd. And he's basically, so, it's basically yeah. like kind of man and woman, you know, got a little bit of a, what do we got? Like something sexual going on. <laughs> I don't know. You know, well, it's a, it's a little dark. The sense that I get from this song. So agoraphobia is essentially a type of anxiety disorder where you're basically afraid to leave your house. Yes. Um, so you avoid places like public transportation, uh, being in crowds. Basically you have a fear of any places that make you feel like you're trapped. Yeah. Um, so do you ever listen to Father John Misty? I have, but okay. I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a power user. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> power user. So he has a song called I Love You, Honey Bear. And the the premise of the song essentially is, and this is like the chorus, uh, but everything is doomed and nothing will be spared, but I love you, honey bear. And it's this incredible sentiment of like, look, the world is scary shit is going down out there. Like it, it's scary outside, but I love you. Like I have, like we have each other. So like, he's what basically that saying, I just want to stay inside with you. Well, yeah. I mean, what, right? but, well, sort of, yeah, I think so. Um, so I think, well, he's saying like all, like, so he's saying there's all this fear of crowds and the outside world. And then yeah. the course is basically like, I just want to stay inside. I want to stay inside. Yeah. And I think what he's saying is, is where he puts, he says, put down your hollow tips kiss your lover's lips, and know that fate is what we make of it. So essentially, like, look, all that stuff is, yes, that's going on. We can't let that prevent us from living our life. I'd say my my favorite line from this song, or and probably when, like, Brandon Boyd lines in general, I think it's, like, the 42nd floor on a distant shore. 
Hmm. Like, how'd we stray so far from this? I may have gotten the last part mixed up with the different verse, but the point being, like, I love it when he gets really specific, like the 42nd <laughs> floor. Like, what is that? You know, but it's like, that's what makes good lyrics, I think. Like, really, like, I can picture that imagery. It, it, that calls to mind, like, uh, Bill Murray in Lost in Translation mm. to me. You know what I mean? Like, he's in some skyscraper in some distant country and things aren't going well. Oh, that's really so, cool. Like, I, that's because the more specific you get, maybe it's just for me, but more specific you get with like lyrics and stuff. It, one, it makes you think like, well, is there a just like, it makes you just think about them. You're like, is that specific for a reason or, you know, but, but when the more you use like the cliches and which he does a good bit of in a lot of the songs, which is where sometimes you're like, all right, like kind of eye roll, like <laughs> unlike some of the make yourself stuff. Cause he, mm-hmm. he sounds great, but then you listen to the lyrics, you're like, all right, like, give me something. Yeah. What are like, you thinking about? <laughs> yeah. Give me something more. Um, that's what, that's what I would say. I, I would enjoy the most with his lyrics. How about talk shows on mute? You know, I think this was like the second single, like, and it was probably one of the songs that people would know off of this album. Not one of my favorites. I just, maybe it's um, a little slower too. I just think to me, it's just like, whenever I listen to the album now, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get to number five. <laughs> it's <laughs> kind of like, it's kind of like the song before my favorite song. You know what I mean? Talk Shows on Mute was the, the first song that I performed on guitar in front of people. Uh, And I will never forget that. I'll never forget that. And I, I, I mean, I was playing rhythm guitar. I was just playing chords. It was very easy, but that was sort of a, a kind of a pivotal time for me. And like we played, God, I don't, I don't know if I remember the venue, but it was in Champaign, Illinois. And, um, our friend was doing this benefit. It's like charity benefit. And she asked us to play. So we were basically like the opening band for the opening band kind of a thing. Like nobody was there, just like very yeah. close friends. I think DJ was there. Like he and I had like just started dating at this point. God, kudos to that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was there for that. So I, I don't know. I like, I have sort of like good feelings for this song in that way that like, it's, it, it reminds me of, of a time that like, you know, I've been playing music all my life, but I haven't been playing guitar for very long. I just started playing guitar like by the end of high school, like early college really. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think that's like, you know, that was one of the the road bumps that I needed to get over uh, was playing guitar in front of people. And this was a song that did it. So that's- well, that's see, that's <laughs> very, very, very valid. And and I'm I'm being unfair. I mean, like, I know 1984, like yeah. George Orwell, the whole oh, yeah. all the themes like I'm in. I just naturally uh I guess I'm attracted to the, the fast paced stuff, but like I, you telling me that it, this is the first song you play, like <laughs> I'm definitely going to listen to it differently now, which is awesome. Really? Oh, and like, I've got, well, I've got songs like that too. Like a song, like, um, what's the song by lit? That's <laughs> like my own worst enemy. Yes. That was one of the first <laughs> songs I played in a band. And like, that, awesome. song, that song kind of stinks. Like maybe not kind of, that song stinks. <laughs> and but every time I hear it, I'm like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like funny. It's like that, that, that I will always 
have an endearing feeling to that song. That's such a high school but, band song. I think oh, I played for that sure. at some point too. Like it's so for sure. It's, it's so easy. High school band song. What is it like? Three it's, chords. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's perfect, right? Too and good. So you're like, that's too good. You're like kind of, yeah, you know, a little embarrassed by that, but I'm also like, nah, man, we crushed this song. Like, Hell yeah, right? And so that's that that makes it. So I know exactly what a difference that can make if you've played a song before. It's yeah. like you're gonna like it. How about Beware Criminal? I think this is top two. I mean, this and Megalomaniac are like one, two. It's it, and again, it's it's not really for some deep reason. It's the drumming. I just I immediately heard this beat, and it's something specific about it. It's the way he uses the hi hats at the beginning. It just comes out like comes out swinging first off, um, and it's like kind of that cut time uh, like power beat. But he's got like really good five stroke rolls on the the cymbals and i i've played this is one of the first songs for them that i was like man i can play this you know and that sounds really cool and then i think that the uh bridge musically is one of my favorite parts of the album and and brandon boyd's is kind of like chanting criminal over the top of it but Jose Pacias is kind of working like the uh, rim of the snare I, yeah, with like the it toms. It's just good. It's just really where I think the uh, band and they just gel really well on this whole song. The the lyrics aren't like there's not a whole a ton to explore, I don't not think. Not really, no. But just from a it's very catchy. It's very incubus to me. It's like, ah man, I could listen to this song over and over again and just like it's gonna make me like kind of move my head and get hyped. I think Paseus has so much fun behind the kit. Like he you can does. just tell. He's you the can best. just tell. And he play like plays DW drums. He's just and he's got all these symbols. I just like I, like I said earlier, I just really like his style of play. And he's creative. Um, very creative. And that's, it's like, it's in a way that feels ch- cheeky in a way. It's just like, <laughs> you just don't know what's coming. Like, you're, oh man, he's just going to throw fills in wherever. And, but then, but then like the bridge to me is a, a place where like, that's a really technical beat that he's playing. Like I struggle with that section of that song. Like I still can't really play it. I'm like, I that's one of those parts where like, I'm just going to kind of make up my own bridge here because okay. I can't play what he's playing because he's that's really good. He's like working the ride cymbal and he's he's working the rim and the snare and then he's like rolling on the toms. It's and then like you said the bass players like holding it down too. So that just that feels like a a really good section of this album to me. I love that. I agree. How about Six Sad Little World? I'm making a choice to be out of touch. Leave me be sad, sad, sad. Leave 
again, this is this is what incubus for me at its finest. Oh, like yeah. just this is like old school. Like reminds me of uh, we play, as a band. I played Privilege, which I is a song I think song. off Make Yourself, and that the early riff in that song is like you know pretty heavy. You know, like and I love that intro. And this, you know what you're getting right from the start on this mm-hmm. song. Again, the drumming is like really, really fast in this one. And he's like, it's just, it's cool. I guess what it comes down to is I think that's where Jose Pasillas is at his best is when he's playing fast. And he's very, it's like he's playing really, really fast, but he's really in control. And that's something that I envy in, a, in drumming because I, that's very difficult to do. So that's probably why I like listening to Incubus when they're playing up-tempo. Criminal and Sad Sick Little World, like they flow into each other. They feel pretty similar. This is, I think, the longest song on the album. It feels like it because they it, they go kind of, in they get instrumental for a while. Yeah. Um, and kind of uh, jam a little bit. That is like my favorite. That's one of my favorite parts in this whole album. Yeah, I, I agree. This And it's right in the middle of the album too. It's like a really good section where you're like, damn, this thing, I'm in, like, what's next? You know, like you love it. psychedelic in a way mike uses so many different like like pedals and different effects Mm -hmm. on his guitar i like how the guitar and the bass sort of mirror each other on this song too i talked about that on what song was that they had sort of like a uh, call and response with the guitar and the bass if you listen to what the bass is playing and what the guitar is playing on this song like i think it's cool how they did that know who this is about sad sick sad little world yeah no i don't who's the uh the narrator so a lot of people believe that this song is about their former bassist uh dirk lance didn't they get into like a big like they had a big breakup with him you know i have or was it the was it the dj that was was dj DJ guy yeah Yeah. they had a big falling out with dj life for sure uh but uh, you know dirk left the band due to what he called personal differences. Uh, and I, I don't think they kicked him out of the band. I think he left on his own accord. Uh, he played with Incubus for like 12 years or something. Left right before this, you know, they recorded this album. So this is Ben Kenny's first album with Incubus and he's still with the band today. It's funny with these guys too. Like we mentioned the DJ. Like I think he plays and you please like have like correct me if i'm wrong but like i get some stuff from him like on the song are you in which is a a favorite of mine from a different album Mm -hmm. get a ton of the you know dj stuff but like i don't really need him i've always wondered like why they had the dj in a lot of ways well it's really interesting that you say that because science is extremely dj heavy so that was the only album that dj life was on um and dj life not a great guy but an excellent excellent turntablist okay uh which i think 
elevates science so, so much. Um, and, you know, a lot of people look at that as like, oh, it's just like a, you know, like a Limp biscuit type of band or whatever. But like there are, it's not just like, whick, whick. it's not like just the scratching, it's mixing, it's pulling in like other elements from, you know, like spoken word and like all this other stuff. And it, I think more and more, like when they hire DJ Kilmore, he sort of, is is more in the background on on a lot of their recorded stuff. I feel yeah. like I feel like live he's a lot more front and center. But I I think especially on Crow Left of the Murder, I really love how you could hear a lot of the separate like individual instruments. But it's really really hard to pick him out on this one. It is, um, which is disappointing to me because I really like I like that element of Incubus and. Um, it's it's kind of you know it kind of goes away by the time crow comes around what about pistola i would say good track i i think this is like I said earlier, like Megalomaniac has gotten better to me over time. I'd say this is one I probably liked a lot more early on when I was listening, but less like it less now. You know, I kind of like agree I find with you. I find the lyrics like my pen is a pistola. I get I'm kind of annoyed by that now. I'm like, yeah, it's just like it's I don't know. The phrase is starting to just get on my nerves a little bit. I mean, all he's really saying is like, I can write lyrics as my weapon. Like, yes. Yeah. And that's, that's all the song is about. And I, I agree with you. I think it's, it's, it's catchy, but it's not my favorite. I feel this Southern girl as well. I get a little, I, I mean, I know you got to slow it down. <laughs> I'm not <What>? fair. I, <laughs> I don't want to slow it down at all. I was like, no, come on, keep it, keep it going. Well, let's, so. yeah, let's talk about Southern girl. And maybe that's like the sensitive side of me or that the side that likes Incubus when they slow it down a little bit. Uh, but I think this is just a beautiful, beautiful song. And I, I think one of the reasons for that is is the way that Brandon Boyd talks about women. So basically, I was saying earlier that when they first came out with science, they got lumped into this sort of like new metal category mm-hmm. with like corn and Limp Bizkit and like, oh, well, all that, all that stuff but they essentially they've they've since evolved enough to not be considered in that genre but one of the main reasons that incubus never even wanted to be associated with the new metal genre is that that genre a lot of times talks about women in kind of a degrading like derogatory way and like incubus cherishes its women like if you listen to the way that he writes about women you know with the exception of breakup songs or like if he's if he's angry about something specific but like every time Brandon Boyd sings about a woman you can kind of like hear it in his voice that he's just like amazed by them 
Yeah. And, and that, that's like gorgeous to me. I, I think that's such an interesting sentiment that like, you know, he's hopeful that these women would be accepting of him and, and not the other way around. Like it is so often, like I said, I mean, there are breakups and sad songs, but it, even those songs never really even seem to be out of disrespect or like disdain for women. And, and I, I don't know. I think that's one of the reasons that my, my enjoyment and my love of Brandon Boyd as a musician has surpassed all, the whole, like, you know, he's hot kind of level. Yeah. And it's more, you know, it's more on like what, what he really believes in as, as a person and um, you know, what he's writing about, what he's sharing with the world. And I think that's like one of the reasons that I really like Southern girl uh, cause he's sort of looking at her with this, like, I cannot believe you're here right now. Like, this is incredible. You're like, you're rare. You're all I ever wanted. Like, you know, not that every guy has to say that all the time, but it's, it's kind of special when, when that's sort of thrown into the mix with all this other stuff going on on the album. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think that's really fair. So I would, and I would say that this and here in my room would be my two favorite slower songs on this album mm -hmm. lyrically this is really strong there's no doubt about it i j and i you know it's it's necessary to have this or else all these fast-paced songs would run <laughs> run together yeah. for sure um it's just i guess the uh what and i don't know something about like maybe the title like southern girl because i'm from atlanta and stuff i'm like well this isn't like, i don't know it's just like <laughs> i don't know if it bothers me or something i can't really explain it it's just like i don't know I don't know. I, I'm not as drawn to it, but all the points you just made, I'm like, I need to probably rethink what I'm, <laughs> my, my, my thoughts are like, you're kind of convincing me that like, yeah, this is actually, this song is, it's really well done. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it's not, it's not for everybody. And I think you're right about the title. I think Southern girl is a little too basic for what. You basic. Know, that's well said. Yeah. That's, that's it. The, it's a little, it's not indicative of the, the depth of that this song reaches. Let's talk about priceless. I'd say Priceless is like my least favorite high velocity song. I mean, the first thing you hear right after this beautiful like Southern girl. Yeah, they just crush just you like, with a cut time like, like boom. Like ba 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 ba. It's like whoa. <laughs> and then Brandon Boyd's like ah. I didn't really. I don't really like about this one as much. I feel like the um, like I don't dislike the song. Well, the lyrics are a little too simple. So, man, I feel like I'm talking on both sides of my mouth because on the one hand, I'm like, oh, I kind of like it when Brandon Boyd takes a back seat. I almost think he takes, like, too much of a back seat on this one. Oh. And it, it, it's like, he's just, like, basically yelling priceless, like, <laughs> for, like, <laughs> although I will say the the bass is really good in the middle. Like, when, what is it, like, da -da 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 I can't yeah. do it fast enough. But, like, and I I think that this is also where maybe there's some DJ stuff on this one. Or actually, I think that's just guitar. Um, anyway, the, the I think whatever it is, like a minute and 30 in, two minutes in, like well into the song is when the song gets good. But like the the whole like just cut time, like 
priceless. You know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, yeah. it gets a yeah. little much. Um, and then the, what I was going to say earlier is like the way it's mixed, it feels like, oh, like almost like garage band grungy ish, like the actual sound of the music. Yeah. It's like, it's like the only, it's the only song on this album that sounds that way. And I, I just don't really, that to me was like, why'd you do that? Like the, this, the way that the drums are mic'd throughout this album is so good. Like the way he has them tuned and like deep bass, the cymbals sound awesome. And then this just sounds like, it sounds like the mixing board broke or something, but I would give, I mean, give them credit. Like if that's how they want to mix it, like they clearly did that on purpose because they could clearly mix it in a different way, which they did with all the other songs. And so you kind of have to acknowledge like, Oh, they did that on purpose. I think that this song is Brandon Boyd talking to Brandon Boyd. I think he writes this song to himself. If that's how he wrote it, I think that's a redeeming quality of this song. Because uh, if you read the lyrics, like, the fact that you think you can speak to me the way you do leads me to believe that you never stepped out of the skin you live within. Like, I think he's almost thinking that, like, oh, God, like, it, am I too big for my britches? Like, am I, am I just being, like, an asshole rock star? Like, I need to, like, back it down a little bit. You know what I mean? Or he's writing about somebody that he doesn't like, but I, I, I like to think that this is, is a, a self-reflection and given everything that we've talked about already about Brandon Boyd, how he likes to do that. Like, I think that, uh, that's what this song is about. That's my, my thought on it. I think it. that's a strong, that's a strong take. Well, the, it's funny too, cause it, those are the meaning of the lyrics. The song is like the most unchill yeah. <laughs> song on the, it's on frantic. this album. It's so yeah. frantic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's okay. I kind of agree with you. I really like the um, I really like the guitar solo in the middle in the bridge, uh, but yeah. Other than that, I think musically it's not my favorite. How about Z Deville? I think that's how you say it. Yes. I just really like, I like this one, the way it's like very, it's very different the way it sounds. Like the verses are very like off balance in a way. Yeah. They're very um, syn like syncopated. Um, yeah. Are you talking about musically or like lyrically? Like musically. Oh yeah. And then, but then it comes together in the chorus where it's like, now go and try to sleep in the bed you made. And then like all, it all kind of comes together. Like in the, like the drums go from this, like you said, syncopated, like off yeah to like you should be careful what you wish for and like the I, I think it all comes together but it's a good um i like it when songs have a very very different verse than a chorus hmm. like i just i'm attracted like if it's done properly i'm attracted to that and then i think this song does it well and i think his lyrics in this song are good um they're they're kind of, again i think they get a little washed out. So you have to listen to the song very closely to understand yeah. what he's singing about. But he's basically sounds like he's singing about like people wish for all this wealth and happiness, but then they just like basically don't realize that that's really not what's going to make them happy. Exactly. Right. And then it's like, you should be careful what you wish for, which right. I just think is, it's just and his, but again, back to what I was saying earlier, he uses very specific language 
like a trophy badge of honor overcompensation, like price tags, advertise your pride. Like it, I think it's, this is the most poetic, I think, verses of the album. Well, I think one of my favorite lyrics is on this song, in this song, I guess you could say, where he says, nice watch, man. Do you got the time? There's never enough and it always goes too slow. Yeah, like, that's strong that's to quite strong. So, <laughs> yeah, strong to quite strong is that level. I agreed completely. Like that, the way that he uses like the double entendre almost about, do you got the time? Like, do you have the time as in, do you literally, do you know what time it is? And also, do you got the time? Like, do you have a time to talk to me? Do you have a time to spend with your family? Like, do you have the time uh, when you're not, you know, buying cars and and wearing your designer designer clothing and this and that? Like, I think that is such a cool line. So well written. Uh, how about made for TV movie? My favorite part of the album is on this song, like the fav- my favorite moment. Uh, it's about a minute in. Oh, so good. That note, that note yeah. yeah. That's pretty strong. Oh, I got this. I just get the chills every time because he just like yeah. hits it so just uh, right well, in the middle so- of the note. I think this one is placed interesting in an interesting place on the album. It feels you're getting to the back of the album. There's a lot of songs on this this CD, but that's like this has a very triumphant feel to it. Mm. Um, and that like that lyric right there, it's like it's like you're deep in the game, and like you st- he is still vibing. He's still hitting notes. Like yeah. they're they're still bringing it basically, which I which I can appreciate. Uh, well, it's interesting that you say this feels really triumphant um, because this is an anti-war song. Basically, like if you read the lyrics, it's it's pretty clearly about about war. I heard a word from on high, glare like a light in the sky. It said, "Quit blowing each other up." And then he talks about, "I'm witnessing history repeating." Well, then even better because like it's nice when you pair music that feels like one thing, but it's really about something else. It, it's so creatively written that you can listen to it and not know off the bat that it's that it's uh, it's about war. Um, I mean, you can once you read the lyrics and you really listen to them, you can definitely you can definitely sense that. I think this song is the best to show off Boyd's range, like his vocal range, because he sings really really low, and then of course those like soaring high notes. Um, I think this is the one on Crow that that shows that off the most. Uh, how about smile lines? I like this one it's yeah. it's got it's 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 my my pace for sure 
Um, I, but I think again, I wouldn't know the lyrics unless I looked them up. And like, you know, the, they're, they're somewhat unremarkable on this song too, I think. Um, yeah. You know, he says, never act my age, but you can tell by the lines in my smile that I've been around for a while. I really like that line, uh, but that's kind of as good as it gets on this song. as good as it gets, yeah. Um, it's basically, I think the song is just about like never really growing old when it comes to falling in love or like being in a relationship with somebody. Like, you know, you, you kind of, there's this, there's this connotation to being like, oh, that's so high school that sounds like a bad thing sometimes but I think like on this song he's saying love should feel like it's high school like it's it's new it's exciting it's like I like that all right but it you know it's 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 just okay <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm with you how about here in my room if the world fall in a fiction I like this song a lot. I Me think too. it's the my favorite slow one. You, although you're I'm coming around on Southern Girl, uh, <laughs> but this one is like this is very poetic to me. Very visual, a lot of imagery, a lot very, of imagery, very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just it's like all right, all right, Brandon, I see you balling. Like I, I'm surprised this isn't higher up in the song list. Like this seems like like featuring him, like kind of a, a leading man song. Right, like a frontman song that he, that I'm surprised doesn't get more, more airtime. But I think it doesn't because it's number thirteen on a fourteen song album. Yeah, well, I I would counter that saying I'm surprised this is not the last song, um, because it the end of this feels so like dizzy and like just cool. Um, yeah, and you you kind of feel like okay, that's the end of the album. And Leech is a great song. Uh, but I, I I wonder why they didn't put here in my room last. Well, I think they fell in love with the line, <laughs> the lyrics from Leech, which are they, like, yeah. <laughs> the ride's over. Like, did you enjoy yourself? Which That's I've true. always That's appreciated. That's like a double meaning to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that in keeping with, and probably with the producer, like, I think they wanted to go out with a bang. That's a good point. Yeah. Like, to kind of, it's like bookends it with Megalomaniac. Like, Leech is one of my favorites because it's like, I, I leave like hyped and I like that, that when the CD's over, I'm like, God, I want to listen to that again. Like hit, like I got to go listen to the first song again. Cause it, it kind of has a same, similar vibe to it. Well, yeah, let's, let's talk through Leech really quick. think that this one is uh is about Dirk Lance but I don't think it's about Dirk I think it's about DJ Life so okay. Life um was with the band until uh god like 90 you know what I think they fired him right before the 98 tour that they went on I think they fired him in 1998 uh because he wasn't as as dedicated to the band as everybody else was and this guy like I don't know if you know a lot about DJ Life but 
he he got like real hostile, right? Real salty. Was not happy about that. Yeah, he was not happy that that they kicked him out. Um, so essentially, like he was pretty dormant the first couple of years. Like, um, when you know they hired Kill right after that, uh, and he's been with the band ever since. But like, basically, Incubus started getting famous uh, after Make Yourself, after Morning View, and you know they were, you know they were on a pretty pretty nice little high there. Uh, in the early 2000s, and um, DJ Life, like, hit him with a lawsuit, saying, like, hey, like, you guys owe me money, you know, because you you basically got famous thanks thanks in part to me. And then um, he had some altercations with DJ Kilmore because he – so he ran into Kill in, like, 2003. They, like, ran into each other in, in town somewhere, and he spit on Kill, threatened him, so Kilmore put like a restraining order on the guy. And then, I mean, even as late as like 2009, they they saw each other in person again. And life was like, basically like threatened to kill him. Yeah. Uh, because he's like, essentially was angry about the first restraining order. So Kilmore got like a, an even, you know, wider restraining order. I don't know what you call it. Bigger, harder, like harsher restraining order against this guy. So I really feel like, because that 2003 is when they were writing this album, I think, like 2002, 2003. Uh, and I feel like this song is about him because if you if you read the lyrics, it's like, the I mean, the ride's over. Did you enjoy yourself? Fare thee well. Did well, you ever also, meet a like, leech who my, was good at goodbyes? That was That's my favorite line. Oh, yeah? And then easy to get high when you're standing on our backs, man. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's just, it's, this is a good one. It feels, and I agree. There does seem to be some vitriol in yeah. these. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think they're, lines. I think they're pretty mad about that. Uh, and I, the only, the only like reason that I think that this could be about somebody else and not DJ life is the line. I'm kicking myself that I shared spit with you, which is essentially like talking about kissing somebody. Sure. Uh, although this could also be a reference to the fact that life spit on Kilmore. That he spit on. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I guess like that could be like a weird way of, of calling back to that. But yeah, I definitely think this song is about him. Um, don't know that for sure, but that's my theory. Well, and I was just looking at it. It looks like the spitting incident happened in t- 2003. Yeah. Which would so be very timely. Very timely for, for, when this, yeah. for when this song came out. And then it says, I love, love it. Uh, it says DJ Life claimed that he, quote, asked me to fight him right then and there and raise <laughs> his fist, which you got to love a guy like that. Like, yo, let's do it. Let's, let's throw it out do like, it. right now Just in this store. Fisticuffs. It's like, like <laughs> awesome, man. Let's do that right now. Yeah, that sounds like an adult thing to do for yeah, sure. That's, that's a, <laughs> that I appreciate that. Well, those I mean, those are all of the tracks on Crow Left of the Murder. There's not a lot of albums where I'm just like from top to bottom. I'd say there's maybe one or two songs that I'm like meh about, but like all of them, like this is one of those albums, probably the first album I ever listened to where I could just go through it and just find something good with every song. I mean, there's really something to be said about that, especially, especially nowadays. Like, yes, exactly. And, and that's one of the reasons I think Incubus number one is, is so high up on, on my music listening for you know my lifetime or however long I've been listening to music and number two why I think their career is so long is that an album like A Crow Left of the Murder an album like Science 
an album like Make Yourself could come out like tomorrow and they would the music style is is it doesn't it doesn't age I mean it, it does it, it ages you know somewhat but it, it's not like you know Science and Make Yourself both came out in the 90s but those are not 90s albums they don't sound like they're from the 90s yeah and agreed. I think I mean that's it's it's just kind of timeless you know yeah, I, I, I think this album holds up well, listening to it a lot recently. Like, I don't feel like, God, how could I, like, why did I like this so much? <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> feel think, that way. Look, I think a lot of the music that we're hearing nowadays, like that's on the radio, that's popular, is so trendy that it's going to lose its shine over time. Yeah. I don't think Incubus has. Incubus has been making music for like almost 30 years now. And yeah, I mean, they're, they've, they've changed, they've shifted gears, they've evolved, but I mean, like, the, I, and I would say to, to drive good. that point home, like I, and I still do, I, you know, I, I used to live in, listen to 311 a lot. I love 311. <laughs> I love 311. Like what they're all about. Mm-hmm. Went to their concert, like there's been like three or four live shows. You know, they're always like the summer party oh, tour, yeah. like 4th of July in Atlanta. Um, but I think they're so, they sound like nineties. Like their, yes. their music to me is stuck in the nineties. Like I listen to it now and I'm like, ah, okay. Or maybe. like early two thousands. Yeah. Like I'm just not like, you know, you know, my boy essay is not sounding as cool anymore. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> God, that's so true. You know, like, like they, like I'm not taking anything away from them and I would still admit that I like 311, but when I listen to those, like, like a song like down mm-hmm. or all mixed up, I'm like, God, this is straight out of the nineties. Yeah, and and you know what what is it about that kind of music versus Incubus? Because like Incubus and Three Eleven, they have been in, uh, like they've shared stages together. They're yes. friends. Like, what yeah. is it about one band versus the other that makes it timeless and not timeless? I mean, that's like the code that I'm constantly trying to crack. I think, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I'm, I maybe maybe it's Brandon Boyd, and maybe it's the the like you listen to his voice now or 10 years ago, you're like, that's a really good voice. And like, there's yeah, less, there's... like, whereas 311 is a little bit more, not gi- like gimmicky in a way. I mean, where Nick they're Hexum's like, they're... voice though. I love Nick Hexum's voice almost as much as I like Brandon Boyd's voice. Yeah. Uh, but there's, yeah, there's like some, there's something else about it though that like, I mean, Incubus, it, I don't think, so Incubus hasn't had that many personnel changes. Neither has 311. But... I think they're a good comparison. Yeah, I, I agree. And, um, and I don't know, but I, I can't answer that question right now of why I think Incubus is aging better than 311 is. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's that's a question to answer over time, I think. Like, just listening and listening and listening. I mean, I listened to 311, like, ad nauseum in high school. But, <laughs> you know, like, I, yeah, like that, you know, it's, it's really interesting how a trajectory of a band can be so similar to another, but, uh, you know, age so differently. Well, I really, really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much, Neil, for being on the podcast. All right. right. Well, there you have it. There you have it. Thanks for joining me today. The Radio Gaga podcast comes out weekly, so be sure to subscribe and look out for next week's episode. Our album next week is Forema Forever Ago by Bon Iver. There's some friendly contention on this one, as my guest, Ryan Young, likes Bon Iver, and I really, really don't. 
We discuss all the reasons we both feel how we feel about one of the most polarizing indie bands of all time. So give Bonnie Vare a listen this week and be sure to tune in again next Tuesday. Until then, you can visit radiogagablog.com for more updates and follow me at radiogagablog on Instagram. See you back here next week.